Taiwan reported 62,000 local cases of COVID on Sunday, with 252 of them having moderate to severe symptoms. There were also 124 COVID-related deaths. Kaohsiung had the lion's share of cases at over 9,200. It was the first time that the southern port city surpassed the capital Taipei in confirmed case numbers. The question on many people's minds is, has the outbreak reached its peak in southern Taiwan? CECC spokesman Zhuang Renxiang thinks the case numbers in the south will start to drop in the next few days. CECC commander Chen Shizhong even estimates that June 10th is when the overall case number starts to drop, adding that the probability of the epidemic continuing to spike after the Dragon Bowl festival holiday is low. A Slovakian delegation led by the deputy speaker of Slovakia's National Council is in Taipei, expressing support for Taiwan in the international arena and desiring to deepen the two nations' economic cooperation. Deputy Speaker Milan Lorencic will lead his 10-member delegation to visit political leaders, including President Tsai Ing-wen, Premier Su Zhenchang and Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai. Various cooperation agreements are expected to be signed. The delegation follows a visit from Slovakia's deputy economics minister just six months ago. Led by the deputy speaker of the Slovak National Council, the delegation that also includes Peter Osuski, the chairman of the Slovakia-Taiwan parliamentary group, and other parliamentarians arrived in Taiwan a little past seven o'clock on Sunday morning. Slovakia supports Taiwan. The visit of this group is proof. We came to strengthen and support our friendship and very good productive relationship with the Republic of China-Taiwan. Uh, until then, we have scheduled very heavy agenda uh, meeting many of the Taiwanese governmental officials. The 10-member delegation will be in Taiwan until June 10th. In addition to meeting President Tsai Ing-wen, Premier Su Zengchang, Legislative Speaker Yeo Shi-kun and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, they will also pay a visit to Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai and hold many business promotion events. A visit from parliamentarians or the deputy speaker actually reveals that our exchanges with Slovakia's parliament are close, not only in substantial trade and economics, but in terms of friendship with the Slovakian people and political representatives, we can further deepen our mutual friendship. For democratic and free countries to communicate, interact, and work together in unity is something that's in line with universal values. There is a cycle of kindness. We also extend a warm welcome and hope to strengthen our cooperation a little further. This is the second visit from a Slovakian delegation in six months. Last December, Slovakia's deputy economics minister, led over 40 representatives from his nation's industry, government and academia to visit Taiwan. They not only held an unprecedented interministerial economic cooperation conference, but also signed nine MOUs. Motorists, take note. State-run oil refiner CPC has announced that starting Monday, the prices of gasoline and diesel will go down by 0.6 NT per litre. The price of 92 unleaded will once again fall below 30 NT at 29.5 NT per liter.
state oil refiner CPC announced that the prices of gasoline and diesel will go down by 0.6 NT per litre starting Monday. 92 unleaded will be at 29.5 NT per litre, 95 31 NT, 98 33 NT and diesel 27.3 NT, all signalling a four-month low. Upon finding out about the price drop, motorists were kicking themselves for filling up on gas too early. I didn't know that the prices were going to drop next week. Well, I was running on empty anyway, so I came. Of course, if I had known about it, I probably would have waited till next week to fill her up. Yes, there will be a price drop. Probably I'll feel it when it gets to around 28 or 29 NT. Oil prices in Taiwan have now been dropping for two weeks running, while Brent crude oil is still at 120 US dollars per barrel. This is owing to the government's price stabilisation measures. But as the public has been worried about inflation in the past two years, they have barely noticed the price drop. The lowest was 20 NT, maybe 19 NT at the lowest, and now it's back to more than 30 NT. So I don't feel it. Commodity prices just don't go back to their low prices. I feel that gasoline prices will rise sooner or later. It's just that the government is controlling them, but I believe they will ultimately rise. Just look at the war and the inflation. Once the prices go up, I feel they'll have a hard time coming down. If we compare our prices to those of our Asian neighbors, ours are quite low. The government is trying to lessen the impact of inflation by lowering the commodity taxes and gasoline prices by 2 NT and diesel by 1.5 NT altogether. The executive UN recently announced that the measures to lower fuel prices and commodity taxes would be extended to the end of September. While this attempt to relieve the pressure of surging prices is well intentioned, other commodity prices are still climbing, especially food prices, making inflation a wild beast to tame. People around the island enjoyed balmy weather on the last day of the Dragon Ball Festival holiday. But things will start to change on Monday. With the approach of both a weather front and a southwest monsoon, the western half of the island will likely see showers and even thunderstorms. On Tuesday, the entire island will be enveloped by the monsoon and the rainfall is expected to be even heavier. Let's hear from a meteorologist. From June 7th to 9th, the impact of the weather front will be felt the most. You can see that there will be localised heavy rains throughout the day in the western half. As for the eastern half, there will be occasional showers or thunderstorms throughout the day. People in the western half of Taiwan are advised to watch out for downpours from Tuesday to Thursday. The front may contain small to medium-scale convection currents, which could lead to sudden bursts of rain. On Friday and Saturday, the front will move north, bringing the brunt of the precipitation to areas north of central Taiwan. The mercury will also take a dive. Northern regions will see temperatures of 20 to 22 degrees before the weekend. Seven vaccination clinics for children aged 5 to 11 have been set up around the island. In just four days, more than 24,000 kids in the nation got the jab. 
Parents are now asking when second doses will be administered. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said medical experts are still mulling the ideal time interval between the first and second jabs. Looking at vaccination rates by municipality, as of June 4th, Tainan had the highest coverage. 70% of the city's kids had gotten a shot. Kaohsiung and Taichung both had more than 60% coverage. Taoyuan and Taipei are just shy of half at 48%. Even the city with the lowest coverage, New Taipei, had 44 percent of its kids receiving the vaccine. Last Sunday, in our special report on migrant fishermen, we looked at the abuses that happen on Taiwan's distant water fishing boats. Today, we meet people who are trying to change how the industry treats its foreign workers. One major tuna trader has set up an online platform that allows abused workers to file complaints anonymously. Another fleet owner in Pingdong County has installed unlimited Wi-Fi so that fishermen can make video calls to their family. Tonight in part two of Vulnerable on the High Seas, we see how the industry is striving to transform. We also explore what the government can do to provide support. Pingdong County's Donggang fishing port started life in the Japanese colonial era when commercial fishing boats would berth there. Fishing boats large and small would dock to resupply and the port bustled with daily activity. This 400-odd ton tuna fishing boat has been operating for 30 years now. Its cramped space and old equipment are common problems plaguing a large number of fishing boats. After a quick resupply that keeps it in port for a week, this boat will head off for waters west of Australia. It will be at sea for eight months. With more than 20 people crammed together on a small boat for work, everyday life can be a real test of character. Arguments are unavoidable. We just call the two sides in to talk it over. Sometimes bad weather causes people to be more irritable, or issues at home might influence their mood, making them grumpy. Adrift on the open sea, people are like kites with broken strings. For fishermen working far from home, Internet access is a human rights indicator identified by the international community. Oh, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Also, you have Wi-Fi in the yes, ocean. Ma'am. So you can FaceTime your family? Yes, ma'am. Uh, you, you can call them? Not calling only message. We give them five minutes per week, or however long it is, so they can get in touch with family. At Taiwan's fishing ports, Southeast Asian faces are a common sight. They are the nuts and bolts that hold the fishing industry together. However, under the current labor system, they are a marginalized group. The industry uses a dual-track system for employment, which has long been criticized. Those aboard vessels in nearby waters are considered to be domestically employed, are under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Labor, and are subject to the Labor Standards Act. However, those fishing in distant waters are treated as overseas employees, are under the jurisdiction of the Council of Agriculture's Fisheries Agency, and are hired under overseas employment permits. The situation is worse for the workers on these distant water vessels. What's the difference? 
first, they don't have the Labour Standards Act and the protections that act as guarantees. Second, they don't have basic minimum salaries. At present, on Taiwan registered fishing vessels, the lowest monthly salary is 450 US dollars, but that's just with boats registered in Taiwan. On those not registered in Taiwan, there are no standards at all. When it comes to labor inspections, work safety, and the employment of intermediaries at tech factories and for caregivers, those things are under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Labor. Why is it that when it comes to the fishing industry, those things are handled by the fisheries agency? The authority of the fisheries agency is not as high as that of the labor ministry. It doesn't have as large of an annual budget and not as much manpower. But it has to manage something as large in scope as distant waters fishing. According to government statistics, the number of migrant workers employed on Taiwanese fishing boats, including those registered to China, reached a high of 20,138 people in 2020. Taiwan's fishing industry has been divided into sub-jurisdictions, creating a great many blind spots. The Ministry of Labor, which should be in charge of migrant workers' employment, has been very passive. Meanwhile, the fisheries agency, which should not be in charge, or you could say lacks the capability and resources to be in charge, has been very active on the issue. But behind its frequent actions, there is a lack of communication. So over the past two or three years, whenever issues with migrant fishermen come up, such as cases involving flag of convenience vessels, a number of disagreements have emerged. It's a problem with no end in sight. It's I've always said that Taiwan should only manage as many boats as it has quotas for. It seems like Taiwan has too many boats now, too many boats fishing for tuna. With so many boats, the expenses are too high, so you can't recover the capital you invest. Forced labor and the depletion of fishery resources are actually in a causal relationship. It's a vicious circle. Whether in near or distant waters, what often happens is that when working hours are very long, fishers will try to keep getting catches. They will fish non-stop and try to stuff their boats full. Over the years, Taiwanese fishing boats have branched out, no longer fishing in just the Pacific, but also in the Atlantic and Indian Oceans. However, the plight of migrant fishers on Taiwanese boats has always been in the backdrop. In September 2020, a U.S. Department of Labor blacklist for products made with forced and child labor listed Taiwanese fisheries products for the first time. Taiwan has forced labor, and that forced labor is in its fishing industry. Taiwan's distant water fish catches involve forced labor. This not only affects Taiwan's international reputation, but also indirectly affects Taiwan's ability to sell fish in the U.S. market, because who wants to buy forced labor commodities? FCF Company Limited, which acquired US-based tuna cannery Bumblebee Foods in 2020, is one of the largest tuna products manufacturers in the world. FCF works with over 1,000 fishing boats worldwide. In its first interview in 50 years of operation, FCF addressed the US's blacklisting of Taiwanese fishing vessels. 
The way we handle contingencies is to not limit ourselves to addressing issues on one or two boats. Our hope is to assist suppliers systematically so that those who work with them can operate in accordance with international regulations. It's up to our auditors' judgment, their assessment of a boat's performance in terms of its social responsibility. If we see a situation in which a boat is not conforming to that responsibility, we will require it to make improvements. Through an assessment platform, the company monitors the behavior of boats that it works with. In April 2021, FCF and the PCT Seamen and Fishermen Service Center established an online platform for the submission of grievances allowing industry workers to submit complaints anonymously through scanning a QR code. Traditionally, complaints are voiced through the broker or the employer, but that tends to put pressure on the worker with the complaint. Since making complaints directly is relatively inconvenient and results in extra pressure, doing it online through this platform is much better, since it goes through a third party. When our service center receives a complaint, we express it on behalf of the worker, which reduces the pressure on them. Taiwan's fishing industry is being called upon to transform. In the past, boat owners needed only think about the price their catches would fetch at market. But now the international market is scrutinizing the hidden costs of these catches. Human and labor rights are factors that matter, factors pushing the industry to shift from being price-centered to value-centered. One of those pushing for transformation of the industry is third-generation Pingdong fishing boat operator Chen Wenshen. This right here is our break room for the boat's crew. The height of the cabin is 190 centimeters, and the width is enough to meet the government's requirement of 70 centimeters. The newest boats also have air conditioning, fans, filter systems for drinking water, and even leisure facilities. Aside from this equipment, Chen has also installed what is a first on Taiwanese fishing boats, unlimited Wi-Fi for crew to use when they're not working. I install these things on the boat. If the crew encounters problems, they can use the phone as long as they like. One hour, a half hour, they can even video chat with family members, because when they can see their family, that puts them in a different mood. With Wi-Fi on board, even when thousands of kilometers from home out at sea, family is never far away. Internet access at sea costs nearly 60,000 NT per month and over 700,000 NT per year. Chen has been called a model fleet captain, but the pressure on him is great. It's true that such high fees are not affordable to everyone. I would also like to see Wi-Fi on every boat. But as it is, you don't always earn money these days, and Wi-Fi is an extra cost. 
The government must help us owners. They should consider helping us so that we owners can survive. You need things like shower and washroom facilities, and you need a cabin of a minimum size. These things are guaranteed under basic human and labour rights. But right now, the Taiwanese government is not enforcing these international conventions, these minimum standards. These old boats, if you want them brought up to international standards, you need to give them time to slowly make improvements. But in the process of improving them, I hope the government can provide some assistance. To improve the image of Taiwan's fishing industry, the Executive Yuan plans to implement the International Labour Organization's Work in Fishing Convention. It will require that salaries, work environment and maritime communication all conform to international standards. Using modern technology, it will aim to make life at sea more transparent. These are all our boats. Now on every boat, we must install a camera at the back. But as for how long each camera must record, that remains the biggest issue. You see, I am also pushing for this, for installing cameras on each boat, so that there is a complete record of what goes on. If it's all recorded, I can see if the crew is being paid for the overtime they are asked to do. If you don't look after the crew, then why would they listen to the captain, right? They might even strike. Human and labor rights are universal values, and this should be no different at sea, activists say. As a major player in the global fishing industry, Taiwan is closely watched by the international community. It has a duty to create a win-win situation for both labor and capital, and to ensure the sustainability of both the industry and our oceans.